0: Hello kids, it's your auntie Kath. Now, as you probably know by now, you might hear words like in this podcast. Oh, and that's one of my favourites. So, if you've got little ears around, you might want to listen another time. Or, if you like, keep playing. They might just learn something. The little... Esteemed deaf pals, now it turns out some of you have been complaining that these episodes aren't long enough. (laughs) Well then, you'll be dying to know that this isn't all of it, you wonderful twits. After you've finished hearing how your favourite guests are going to peg it, they join me over at Six Feet Under to read through your real-life deaf-related anecdotes.
1: Sure enough, the biggest, (laughs) freshest turd was enmeshed. In both of my shoes. Oh
0: man, <laughs> for just three ninety nine a month, you get all that and every episode completely ad free. So, as the Grim Reaper says, get on with it and subscribe on Apple Podcasts or head to where there's a, will, there's a for details. Right, let's get cracking. Hello, I'm Cathy Burke, and welcome to this jaded gymnasium within the podcast sphere. A sweaty inferno full of dead weights, where every muscly fucker is curling one out on the dumbbells. (sighs) Oi, Mr Motivator, you might want to size up on your spandex, mate, you're popping out all over the place. Anyway, welcome to... Where there's a will there's a wake. As we Bulgarian split-squat our way towards a it's time to welcome this week's guest to this stinky sweatbox. Now, on sub-podcasts, you get your fitness coach talking to people about health and happiness, but on this show, you get a funeral coach, me, talking to people about what fuckwits you don't want at your funeral. And joining us today is a man that puts the freak into fitness. It's the amazing Joe 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 Joe, Joe Wiggs.
1: Well um, that was one of the best <laughs> intros to a podcast I've ever heard. So thank you so much. And I love the little jingles you got as so well. You do the singing. Um, that's um, Mr and Mrs Rathbone.
0: Uh, we let them out every now and again, you know. Uh, just uh, they're locked in a cupboard most most of the time, and then we let them out to do some jingles. And I think there was a little extra thing there for you, Joe, um, where Mrs Rathbone was doing out of breath. Yeah, like she's in
1: the middle of a workout sort of thing. Yes, absolutely. I love so, that. No, uh, nice touch. Yeah. So that's it. She's probably done a body coach hit workout on YouTube. Yes, absolutely. And I should just say as well because it's
0: lovely that you mentioned the introduction. I think the listeners uh, are conned into the fact that I write the introductions and I don't. They are written always by our magnificent goddesses, either Charlie, Naya or Katie. So we have to thank them for these magnificent uh, intros. Yeah, they're very good. Oh, for very,
1: very witty and I also like that you're, um, you're effing and blind and cussing already because I knew that was coming. I listened to the Danny Dyer episode and you two could yeah. swear together, couldn't you, blind me? Oh,
0: my God. If, if there was a competition, I, I, I think Danny would win... Um, but, you know, I, th- I think we're quite close in our uh, Anglo-Saxon appreciation. Well, I've got a little story for you. So one of Go my on. first
1: ever words, my mum and dad tell me this story. I was born in 1985, Yeah, council state, grew up. So I was obviously around a lot of swearing because the first word that came out of my mouth, honest to God, was the C-U-N-T word. No. Said on a bus. Yeah, I was about one, one, maybe one to, or tw- tw- or you know, 13 months old. So that I am a swearer by wow. nature, but I'll try and keep it clean because I am a family brand and I... You are a
0: family brand and I did say before we started recording, I said to Joe, and I'll try not to swear as much either because you're a family brand, not really, I know, because I usually just sight read the introductions because I like them to make me laugh as, as well as our listener. Didn't realise there were
1: so many fucks and fuckwits in it, God, goddess Charlie. You went straight out the back, yeah, went yeah, straight yeah. for it, out the, <laughs> out, the, out, the, out the stable, whatever they say.
0: But anyway, people know not to, this isn't a podcast you can
1: listen to when you've got the kids in the back of the car. You say that, didn't you? So that little warning sign at the beginning, isn't there? You know, if you if you're not into swearing, piss off. Exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, listen. I know you've got a very very busy schedule, so we're delighted that you're able to join us, Joe, because you've got this wonderful new book coming out, which is called Feel Good in Fifteen. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about this before we kick off on the old death?
1: Yeah, I'd love to. So um, basically, you know, I'm really passionate about getting people moving. It's always been about movement, healthy food, you know, back with a sort of leaning 15 in the early days when I was throwing that food in the pan, you might have seen some of them crazy videos. Yes, And I really do love getting people moving and feeling good. And I think the concept behind this book is, you know, you might not have the energy, energy to exercise today. You might not want to do a batch cook in the kitchen, but you might do one small thing that's going to boost your mental health and your mood. And so it's little things like journaling, gratitude, um, cold showers, you know, calling up a, someone you ain't spoke to for a while and reconnecting. It's little things like that. And Just little tasks you can do with the kids and the family, like non-screen activities that kind of get you away from the devices just to reconnect. So it's really about movement, cooking and like little sort of daily wins to to boost your mood and get you feeling good. Nice. And it's also, uh, there are some lovely recipes as well. Really, One unusual
0: recipe, which I thought, well, well, this is quite easy to uh, muster together, is uh, cheese and Marmite crumpets.
1: Yeah, well, I look, I love my fast food and I love my my comfort foods. I love, you know, I love marmalade on toast. I love crumbets with butter on. Uh-huh. And then so, you know, it's trying to take things that you can just grab in the morning that you ain't got a lot of time and it's not always going to be every day. But, yes. you know, I think certain things you've got to enjoy in life. And I, you know, I love that sort of thing of taking things you love. Let's say it's a, a takeaway fast food burger but making a healthier version at home so you still enjoy those foods yes. but it's cooked in a way that is a bit healthier and that you can you know if you've got goals to, to get fit and lose weight and stuff it's going to help you in that sort of process too so I'm all about balance I love my treats I love my chocolate and my cakes but this is about just really taking it back to the basics and that's just getting in the kitchen a little bit more and just cooking yeah. and the rest of it works itself out if you know what I mean
0: Lovely Well that leads us very beautifully into our first question which is
1: So I've sort of given it away in that last answer, but I think one of the greatest inventions in in the world is a burger. I think, you know, wherever I go in the world, if I've eaten in a nice restaurant in Santa Monica or if I'm away somewhere with a family in Italy, I always end up going back to the burger. There's a burger on the menu, and that's why, you know, when you go to a restaurant or a pub, normally they've got a burger on there because they say it's the most popular dish. There's ever on a menu, like Gordon will say it or Jamie will say it, Uh the burger on their menu is always like the most ordered item. So I think people just like love it. But for me, you know, it'd be a proper... You know, like double smash patty mm-hmm. with the burger sauce, you know, jalapenos, all that kind of mustard. And, you know, like it's just dripping down your chin when you bite into it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> lovely, lovely soft bun and just like a really good portion of, um, I like parmesan truffle fries. You know, when they put the parmesan and truffle oh, on Oh,
0: right. It. Yeah, yeah. I'm not like, I'm not, see, I'm not, I'm not, I'm veggie. Well, I'm not veggie. I'm a pesky. So I eat me fish. But... Truffle. You, you've really got into truffle and I, I'm not into it, you know. I find it a bit too musky.
1: Yeah, no, my brother's the same. He said he was having it. He, he lived in Singapore for you and they put it on everything, yeah. everywhere you go. And he said, he now, it's revolting to him, the smell and the taste, but just a little bit on, a, you know, the, on your chips and then obviously... Bottle of ice cold Coke and then dessert for me, ultimate dessert is a sticky toffee pudding with vanilla ice cream, like proper, you know, covered in the sticky toffee sauce. And um, that is kind of my dream, my death row meal. If I was, you know, last day on earth, I would be having a good burger and chips and a sticky toffee pudding.
0: I'm a bit surprised about the Coke though. Because it's quite gas, it's,
1: you know, it's not meant to be that healthy, is it, Coke? It's, yeah, well, uh, I, like I said, I'm, I'm very, I did say this off air, but I'm very windy. And there might, you might have yeah. seen the YouTube video, I accidentally <laughs> farted live on a YouTube video. Oh, did you? And it went, you know when you think you're not live and you think, I'm going to let it out quickly. Anyway, I was yeah. live, it went all around the world. But that's probably because of my love for fizzy. I love, I do love a can of Coke. Like right. Sam Pellegrino or a bottle of Coke. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but I'm all. I feel like I'm always bloated. Something in my tummy is always fermenting. I've got. I'm full of gas. Right. And um. Yeah. Even I eat well. I think probably got some kind of intolerance that I don't know about. You know. I thought. Imagine if I'm doing the video and I'm doing. You know, a live workout in front of hundreds of million, Well, hundreds of thousands of kids, and I fart during a doing a sit up. So I thought yeah. I've got to let it out. So yeah. I went three, two, one, and I quickly blasted it out, not realizing the link was obviously obviously connected <laughs> and it was buffering and it went live. And I in the end, I do you know, I put my hands up. and said. Listen, guys, you might have seen that because someone had screenshotted anyway. It was on all over the internet. Yeah. So I said I owned up and shared it again and people said it was the funniest thing of the year and they needed that during the lockdown, you know. Of course. They needed a little bit of laugh they said it's the funniest thing I've ever seen. That's it.
0: And farting's fine. Farting's normal and natural and, you know, we shouldn't be embarrassed. It's the smell, isn't it, that's offensive. But I think the noise is uh, very, very funny.
1: Well, I always try to... um, Basically, I try and, like, muffle it. So, like, I'll cough or I'll oh, sit oh, yeah. on a chair like this. <laughs> I'm hoping I can muffle it with this sort of nice furry chair. But yeah. the truth is, you know, it does make people laugh, doesn't it? It always does. It
0: does. But listen, when you get to my age, you cough and the fart happens anyway. Right. So now we move on to...
2: The death.
1: Tell us, what happened, babe? Well, I've never really contemplated that question until i saw the you know the the questions thinking right what what, how do i want to die and what do i always think would be my death and i like to think i'm going to be still you know in my 70s and 80s still doing pull-ups and press-ups i see these guys i go to venice beach in california yes and you get all the old you know bodybuilders from the 60s and 70s that are still there Uh training they're, they're in great shape so i'm quite inspired by that thought of if you stay active through your life you can still have an amazing physique and still be strong into your old age yes um and I shouldn't tempt fate, but when I, when I, well, basically I'm into motorbikes. So it's one of my pastimes is to go out on the motorbike with my dad and my brother. We go on little tours and I always joke and I shouldn't because it's tempting fate. But I said to, to Rosie, if I die on a motorbike, I'll have a smile on my face. Yes. Because I am always, I'm calm. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I love it. And as long as it came from the side or the back and I didn't know it was coming, I think right. I'd be all right. If I was about to hit an object in front, then your, your ass is going to go and you're going to know in that moment this is it, it's game over. So yes. you'll have fear. But if you just get taken out from the side uh-huh. or from the, from the rear in an instant, yeah. I would have I had a smile on my face. So that, that's kind of the way I sort of don't want it to happen. But if it did, I'd be happy.
0: Well, I could see you as a, a, you know, a very sprightly, um, lovely man in your 90s, still on your motorbikes. So I think it'll happen then when when you're much, much, much older.
1: Yeah, that's the aim. You know, people people say, you know, with cycling and sort of motorbikes, you can do it into your old age. So I, I yes. do love that. But um, if I was going to do it in a more kind of, in a nicer environment, it would be, you know, around my kids. Because my, my grandma actually died recently this year. And oh, one thing that was lovely is that, um, you know, my mum and her brother and her sister, they were in the room. And it was almost like when they all got to the room, she took her last breath. Yeah. And so the thought of that, I think... There's no regret there. You were there in that moment, and I think that's a nice thought. So obviously, I've got three kids, um, and when I pass away, I'd like to know that maybe they were there with me, and and they I wouldn't have any regrets and, and wish that they had been in you know in that room with me. Yes,
0: absolutely. And I read because you want more kids, didn't you?
1: Yeah. Well, we've got three, and yeah, I know I know it seems mad, but we we just love the idea of having a big family, like chaos and the different ages growing up together and that dynamic around, you know, kids and stuff. So, I, yeah, we've got three. We're going to have another one and hopefully if she falls pregnant, obviously, and then we might have a little break and see how we feel. But I I don't feel satisfied with three, if you know what I mean. Right. I I think, think, you know, I think maybe you'll know that's the last one. But every time they grow up, like my little girl's one, we're already missing that new baby on the chest, you know, the old chesties when they lay on your chest and they're asleep on your tummy. And I do love the, um. I do love being a parent. It's my, it's my favourite thing.
0: Yeah. And, and I'm sure you and your lovely wife, Rosie, is yep, that yeah. Rosie? You know, yeah, why not? Why not have loads? You know, I think people, why people don't have loads of kids is, you know, they worry about not being able to afford, you know. But I think you guys are okay and I think you will be able to feed them all, wouldn't yeah, you, Yeah, But one
1: other thing I'm realising now is with your kids is that you don't. You can't give them all the same attention. Like my little daughter, Indy. She was just. It was just us and her. So loads of reading at night. Loads of bedtime stories. Her vocabulary is amazing. And then I look at my little boy, and I'm like, we do a little bit, but it's always like. At the end, you know, it's like a bit right. of a rush trying to get the baby to bed. So yeah, trying to find time now to just sort of block out even half an hour with one kid or going out for the day and doing a little, you know, a bike ride or going to the farm. Yeah. I'm just trying to get those moments just to bond with one of them. Yes. And that is really special, I think.
0: Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, this isn't like our usual um, episode, is it? It's, it's, it's. I mean, it's lovely. It's like Disney, this one. <laughs> I'm not as sweary as <laughs> I? I do swear, though. No, listen, it's good and it's good for me. I'm such an old lady and... You know, um, sometimes when I can't find the words, I'll I'll just
1: swear, and I and I should stop it really because it's, well, it's fucking pathetic. <laughs> I've got a new game that I'm doing. Rosie don't like this, but because uh, the kids hear me swear and it's like it's part of my vo- vocabulary. You know, when you grow up in that environment in a cl- working class family yeah. on a council estate, everyone's swearing. It's part of it, and words are powerful, but they're also just a part of life. It's comedy, it's humour, isn't it? So yeah. I've got a game where in the car we play. It's called the swearing game where. I only let them in the car. Think of a swear word. And we sort. Of, or we say a. We say a swear word each. We go around in a circle until we run out of swear words. Right. So you know, it's just so, so they know that this is part of life. We all use this language. You're going to hear it, but we, we we say it in the car. We don't do it in nursery or when we're out of our family and, and right. friends and stuff. So it's really funny because they come. I say. I say. You know, you shit house quite yeah, a lot. Yeah. So Indy went to me. Dad, you know you say shit house. What if? I, What can I use? This can I say <laughs> house? So I was in the back laughing my ass. Well, sorry, I was driving there in the back. So, yeah, it's just like a fun little game. But just to know that it's okay, we're going to swear in life. Don't yes. worry. It's not the end of the world. But just don't use it offensively and aggressively.
0: That's it. That's it. And I think also kids know, you know, it's that keeping things from them is the worst thing in, in a way.
1: Do you know yeah. what I mean?
0: It's good to be sort of open with kids and, and let them know. But there are suitable environments
1: you know totally so in the car it's a bubble it's a safety bubble and I'm hoping they don't go into school and nursery and actually bust out any of them words easy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> move out the fucking way I want to get to the <laughs> fucking trampoline
0: <laughs> <laughs> so right
3: don't go anywhere we'll be back after this
0: short break
2: This is an advertisement for BetterHelp Therapy online. Goddess Charlie, you all right? You look a bit
0: tense. What makes you say that? Well, you're biting your nose and your leg is shaking like a horny chihuahua.
2: Oh, yeah. Now you mention it, I do feel a bit stressed. Come on then, spill the beans to Auntie Kath. What's on your mind? That's the weird thing. I don't actually know. It could be the endless sleepless nights I spend strategising on how I'm going to get a ticket to Glastonbury this year, or it could be the triple espresso I necked to make sure I didn't fall asleep on the way to work. Blimey goddess. Whatever it is, you should invest some time in getting to the bottom of it. You're right. It's no good letting things fester and get out of control. Especially when it's so convenient to talk to therapists now. Ah, you mean our friends at BetterHelp? Precisely. It's entirely online and suited to your schedule. With over a 1,000 therapists in the UK already, BetterHelp can provide access to mental health professionals with a wide variety of expertise in mental health. And our listeners
0: get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com. That's betterhelp.com. Uh, what would the public response be, do you think, to your passing?
1: Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I don't, I don't imagine there'll be some massive like procession and like some big carnival parade. But i don't like to think that people will remember me positively and fondly as, as that guy. You know, I think my, I think my ultimate. Gift and achievement in life was, you know, the P with Joe lockdown workouts because I got people through a difficult time every yes. day and it was routine and, you know, I made people laugh and just forget about what was happening. So I think, I'm not everyone's cup of tea but I think that if they just look back to that one moment in time where I was given all that time and energy to help people through a difficult time, I like to think that there's a positive kind of you know memory that I was a good guy trying to do good stuff and you know, I helped people through that absolutely
0: yeah mate and I watched your um, beautiful documentary I have to say if you've not seen Joe's documentary listener it's still on the iplayer I found it incredibly moving and uh I uh, I did get a little bit concerned about you Joe because obviously you know you you do help a lot of people and I did get concerned because you you know you sort of feel like you have to reply to everybody have you managed to sort cuz i think you did the documentary about a year ago have you have you managed to just sort of wean wean yourself off sort of feeling that you have to reply to everybody
1: yeah that was a really tough thing to do that documentary because i opened up basically it was like therapy i was going back into my childhood trying to understand my parents mental health issues because at the time i thought my mum just was obsessed with house cleaning and she had an eating disorder and she was anxious and, you know, she was bulimic and all sorts of stuff. So I thought that was normal. And then my dad obviously was suffering with addiction for, from heroin addiction. So it was chaotic, but we had that, we had the conversation and I was learning so much about them. And what I realized is, you know, if I'd been in the conversation a bit younger and understood them, my life and my kind of relationship with them would have been a lot better, I think. But it was also secretive and yes. I couldn't talk about things. So, you know, it was difficult, but I'm definitely, um, I, I am a carer. Like I've always been a carer. I've looked after my mum and dad and always been worried about them. And so I do get a lot of joy and, and kind of self-worth from helping others and reaching out and sort of supporting people. But I'm definitely not doing the eight, nine hours a day on Instagram anymore. I was doing a lot of DMs. Oh, good. I was right in the middle of it. It was the eye of the storm because I was I was filming the documentary and also putting out content around mental health and therefore the, the, the amount of comments that were coming in, you know, hundreds of messages a day from people saying you know, I'm struggling, you know, I've got this de- depression or my dad's an addict. And so basically it just become like, it magnified it all a little bit. But yeah. now I'm not talking so much about it. Obviously that's not coming in as much. If I did a post today saying, look, I want to hear about how you're doing, how's your mental health? I'd get bombarded with a lot of heavy kind of content and messages, yeah. but I still have that part of me where I don't want to ignore someone. And if I, if I see a message that's really wonderful, that needs a bit of support, I'll flag it and then just come back and do them sort of when I'm in the mindset for it, when I've got the energy. So you know, texting someone saying, listen, you're going to get through this is one thing. But if I send a 60 second voice note to them, it really means a lot to them. It really helps and really lifts their mood. And I'm I'm basically just listening to them, understanding what they're going for and say, look, why not try and um, reconnect or have, have a phone call with your nan or speak to your mum today or go for a little walk, get some fresh air. And these things, it creates change. It truly helps people. So yeah. it is addictive. That's an addictive thing to give and help. Yes. But I'm definitely a lot better than I was. I'm doing sort of Three or four hours down day on the phone, really, rather than the sort of eight or nine hours of doing it at that moment.
0: Right. I mean, bloody hell, though, Joe, three or four hours of it. That's more than anybody else would do, I think. And also, I think as well, babe, that the people that love you and follow you and stuff, they wouldn't, you know, the last thing they would expect is a reply. They know how full on you are. You know what I mean.
1: That's why I love, but that's why I love doing it because they just they they always start the thing of you know I know you're never going to see this, but I just want to say thank you for getting me through lockdown or you you know your free videos you share every week on YouTube because I can't afford your app, I can't afford your book, but Uh the stuff you share has transformed my life. That is so motivating to me, and it keeps me in line with the mission. It keeps me focused, and so I do love it, and I'll never disconnect. I could pay someone to run my social media you know you get community managers and they could pretend to be me or they could pretend to be someone else but the truth is I need to be connected to my audience because otherwise it's just numbers and views isn't it it's just like people and followers but actually when you get down into that and you realise what I'm doing with my time and my body my energy is really changing lives and so Yeah, I love it, but I'm definitely not going to bed every night going, oh, I should have done 100 messages, I feel bad. I'm just thinking about the impact on those 10 or 20 people a day and not thinking about the ones I missed out on maybe. Yeah,
0: because it can't be a detriment to your own mental health and your own family, you know, your family need and deserve your time as well but I do i I really do admire you i I, I, Thank you so I, I think much. it's wonderful what you do and I loved your documentary and I loved the fact your family took part and your lovely mum and
1: dad were very open as well. do you know what I want to say something about I remember this so vividly so I remember you from you know Harry Enfield and chums and i I remember that side of the night. one day a movie came on TV and it was nil by mouth. oh right? God yeah and yeah. I'll never forget how. I, I related and connected to that character, you know, that, that chaos and the shouting and the swearing and the violence and stuff. Like, it was really powerful. So when I got asked to come on this thing, I instantly thought about that and I thought about you and your sense of humor and I thought, we're going to connect and relate in some way. And I, I actually read, didn't your your didn't your parents and your family have a bit of addiction as well and you, as a child growing up?
0: Yeah, my dad, well, I, I didn't know, my mum my died very, very um, young. She was only 36. I, I was about 18 months when, when mum died. And my dad, yeah, sadly did have um, quite a bad drink problem, you know. And uh, so, yeah, so I grew up in that sort of, you know, we understand each other in that way, in that... um you know, you just don't know what it's sort of like living with somebody with schizophrenia or something, because you just you just don't know what the mood is going to be. Yeah, and you could sort of the way the atmosphere can change in the house. You know what I mean? And uh, but I'm very pleased, much like your own your own dad. Um, my dad uh, stopped drinking about ten years before he died. So that was wonderful.
1: You so know you got what I to mean? heal that kind of and you rebuild some bridges a little bit. Yeah,
0: a little bit. And also it was just a sort of you sort of know who they are then. Because when, when anybody's got an addiction, you don't really then they're not really their full selves as yeah. a person.
1: Maybe that's why you connected with the documentary, because I think, you know, when you're from that environment where it's, it's very unstable you know, and look at us, you know, we, we, we obviously wanted attention. We wanted an audience community, wanted people to look at us and think yeah. we we're funny and, you know, and we're, here we are. You know I mean, so sometimes your childhood really shapes you. It definitely steered me away from that destructive life of drugs and alcohol, but it gave me an energy to like, oh, I want to be different. I want to be a good dad. I want to be present. I want to be a good husband. And you, you know, so I learned from these mistakes. And so my friendship with my dad is amazing today because of all those things I've learned. Yes. It, was, it was difficult as a teenager, but now we have a great friendship. So I just thought, I thought it was a positive thing to share because, you can fix those broken relationships and you can come out of it feeling more compassionate and loving towards that. Because an addict is an addict for a reason. It's trauma. They're they're trying to make themselves feel better. They're trying to numb the pain of maybe yes. losing his 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 partner was tragic, you know. So there's a, you'll still understand, didn't you, the journey and why yes. different people deal with trauma and how that becomes addiction in certain ways. That's it. I mean it's just a
0: shame you sort of learn all that when you're much older. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, and I just think it's wonderful. You're very, very lucky that everything was learned and everything was sort of understood, and your dad was able to get himself off the heroin, and you're able to have this relationship, and he's got a relationship with his grandchildren, and
1: you know, I, yeah, I, I, love that because a lot yeah. of his, you know a lot of his friends ended up in prison or they were they died of overdoses. So I always think about how lucky and blessed I am that he survived it, and that you know I can still have memories and I'm not talking about him in the past because, yeah. you know, addiction with heroin is just like a roulette. Every time you're shooting up, you know, you don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. I'm very grateful that he's alive and, yeah, we have a, we have the uh, the connection through the motorbikes. We Once a year we go on a bike ride, me, my little brother, George, and my dad, and it's just fun and I love that. I love that we get those moments to, to bond and there's no resentment there towards him at all. Uh-huh. Wonderful. Wonderful. Okay, so getting back to your
0: demise, your fantasy demise, um... What publication would you like
1: your obituary to be in? Oh, I mean, I'm, I've obviously done interviews of all the kinds of papers, but they always get the facts wrong, don't they? they go, oh, Joe Wicks from Essex and Joe oh, Wicks yes. with three kids and all this. But um, I don't know, maybe just like a nice social, you know, like a nice social media thing where someone just puts up a video that gets shared or a nice little kind of, um, like a little montage of me, like a little clip of the highlights of my life nice I think that's beautiful and we must have the farting one in there though as but, well oh yeah the fart would be in there and obviously yeah. the silly billy dance and when I had butt the ceiling and try and do the splits and pull me <laughs> hamstring all oh, those <there's> moments because <laughs> that just made everybody laugh you know I was bouncing around dressed as a Harry <laughs> Potter one day then I was a panda the next day I was a I was a whoopee cushion yeah. um,
0: <laughs> a whoopee
1: cushion there's a lot of funny moments yeah fabulous good for you right and now we'll move on to
2: the
0: funeral. So, folks, before we get into hearing all about Joe's funeral, let me tell you there's more to this podcast, so much more. Hit subscribe for access to our bonus content over on Six Feet Under, where we keep our guests with us a little bit longer and have a laugh at all your brilliant funeral tales.
1: And it, it was velocity, it came out, it got faster at the end, so I was like, Ree! trying to
0: get it out.
2: It and, was um... so good.
0: Plus, you get every episode completely ad free, including these main ones. Hurrah! So, to find out how to subscribe, just go to where there's a will, there's awake.com. Okay, back to the fantasy world, Joe Witt. So, you've croaked it. Where are we having your funeral? What's going on?
1: I've only been to a few funerals in my life because, like, my mum had me so young, yes. And my mum had me when she was nine, 19. Wow. So, yeah. like, my mum and dad are still about... I lost um, my grand grandma, my nonna, who my telling grandma was... I didn't have a really close relationship with her, but they're very sad. I find them very sad and emotional. And even whether you, even if you don't know the person so well, you see other people crying and, you're, you know, the family nearby. And I just always break down. I always cry when a bride or groom walks down the aisle. I find it very emotional. Yeah. And obviously at a funeral, I've, I've been to a couple and... They're very heavy. So I would like to have more of an upbeat, fun celebration. Like some cultures, you know, they have parties and they have fireworks and balloons and stuff. So yeah, I visualised my funeral being similar to my wedding, which is we rented like a little barn in Surrey. There was a field and and we had a barn with sort of food trucks. So I had a burger food truck, one doing like um, chicken satay and skewers and things, and the other one was doing like ice creams and whatnot. So that's the food sorted. Right. Because I think people love coming together over food. Yeah. um, And then we hired... um. Ferris wheel we had a carousel you know old school like hammer you know the old hammer where you shoot oh, the bell yeah, up. yeah so yeah. I made it a fun thing where people gathered around in different spots and I think that should be the same for my funeral so those same people there were 75 people there. they were the most important people in my life I didn't yeah. invite loads of randoms even like cousins cousin to cousin I just thought I just wanted it to be the tightest closest people I know Yeah. so I'd get all them people in the same field in the barn playing the music and it would just be you know a celebration and say like look Joe had a great life you know, we had an amazing time together. Let's have a little dance, yeah. and it'll be all the music. You know, Craig David, Bruce Springsteen. You know, old Tamla Motown, and a bit of Bob Marley. Just everyone just vibing. You know what I mean? Yeah, that'd be yeah. lovely, wouldn't it? Uh, that'd be gorgeous. I want to go. You're about, invited. Well, I'll probably peg it long before
0: you, mate, but uh, but if I don't, uh, f- f- by some miracle, yes, I want to be there, I will be guest number 76.
1: You're allowed. You're invited. I love you there, and you can do a few jokes on the way in, can't you?
0: I could. I could. Well, I'll probably tell you about <laughs> to fuck off. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? When you do a joke, I'm not a performing monkey. Fuck off. <laughs> that's the joke. That's the comedy. That's what we miss. <laughs> that's it. Well, I do get asked. Uh, down the street, people will go, you know, sh- shout out, fuck off, careful, whatever. You know, people want me to swear at them.
1: Yeah, well, that's the humour that people relate to. Like I find it hard. Some comedians, you know, some of the standard comedians, I don't relate to their humour, but someone like um Mickey Flanagan, I get that. And oh, I was like, I love you know I mean? so yeah. I yeah. that sort of humour because yeah. I grew up in you know, a building site and talking you know, yes. know what I mean? So I think it always comes down to who you connect to with the humour, doesn't it, and what you That's grew up it. around. That's it. And what about what are you gonna wear in the what are you gonna be wearing in the coffin? So did you know that I was once voted in the top 10 worst dressed men in Britain by GQ magazine? No way. Yeah, someone had it in for me. So basically, I'm either always... <laughs> someone had it in for me. <laughs> I'm either always like, you know, not wearing a top and just wearing some shorts or I'm yeah. wearing like tight lycra and sports kits. So I suppose it's because I'm not very fashionable I and I don't care too much about fashion but I'd imagine I'd be in a workout kit. Yeah. You know, like a pair of shorts, a pair of Lululemon shorts, Yeah, little vest, maybe a little sweatband like in theme with a kind of body coach because it's the body coach, I'm in mean, the coffin, obviously croaked it, but yeah. I still like to believe that I will be one of those guys that's still exercising and still encouraging people to stay fit. Like look at Mr. Motovairi, he's 70 years old and he looks incredible. And I met him, and he said to me, "Joe, I still do you know 70 press ups a day. Wow, um, I still." I still keep people fit, and he's still trying to get him and his wife do live Instagram videos, and I just think it's so wonderful that he's there. It really is. Still trying is. to get people moving, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah, love Mr. Motivator. Well, you'll be in this wonderful outfit then, in, in your in your coffin. What about your pool
1: bearers? Are they the ones that carry the coffin? That's it, babe. Yeah, well, I, my, my plan and my wife's plan is to have six kids, right? Yes. <laughs> so three on each side. Nice. Um, and that's a big old <laughs> squad. That's the dream. But, yeah, I think it'd be nice just to have your kids carry you in and... You know, hopefully by then I'll, I'll I'll probably be a bit heavier so that, you know, because I'll probably just... I, I'm sure there'll be a time when I want to chill out and stop exercising and stop eating, you know, eat a bit more food. So yeah. probably be a bit heavier, but because it's six, and they'll be able to carry me. Uh-huh. Um, And yeah, I just think that's that's kind of the way I do it. I carried my grandma. It was very emotional and we were all a bit wobbly. And, you know, it's just seeing... Yeah, seeing them all there, but we we were there. Great, you know, six grandkids basically that carried her in, and I thought that was a beautiful thing. I think that's really beautiful. It's actually quite rare, you yeah. know. And my uncle, so it's five grandchildren. And my uncle was there, yeah, so it was nice to do Right. That. So, how are you going to get to the funeral? What's going to be the uh, transport? So I saw this on, um I think it was on an Instagram or some, something. I saw someone going into a funeral on a on a motorbike and a sidecar. So, you yeah. know, like, obviously you've got, like, the normal Hearst. That's obviously not not exposed. But I thought the idea of having a an old Triumph motorbike yeah. with, like, my little boy Marley, because he's obsessed. He loves motorbikes. So I've got them into I've got their little Yamaha uh, Kiwi 50. So it'd be Marley and Indy driving the motorbike yeah. and then me alongside sort of on the sidecar, if you imagine. Well, yes. And just rolling up, not doing wheelies or burnouts or anything, but no. just cruising in <laughs> um, and turning up on a Triumph. Yeah, because I think it's, like, a passion of mine and I think the kids would... Find that quite fun, and it's yeah a bit different, isn't it, than having a, a hearse and it being all about the flowers. I think just get the motorbike, yes. kids in a nice open face helmet, and they'll hopefully be um be cheering, you know, cheering me on as I go down the uh. Well, I was gonna say down the aisle. Then what do you call it when you go down?
0: Uh, well, it is an aisle, isn't it? Oh yeah, down it? the but aisle
1: to your to your cremation area. Yeah, and the
0: motorbike will go all the way up to the altar with uh. I I I, I think it's a great image. It's a great image. Well, it'll go to the steps, and then and then uh, the kids, uh, the six pallbearers will carry me up. Will yeah. then carry you up. But I love that image of being on the side of uh, a triumph motorbike. I think that's. I think that's fabulous. Right. So we're coming towards the end of the service. So now we need to know.
3: Buried
0: or cremated.
1: I think I'm more of a kind of cremation kind of guy because my grandma, as I said, was very, sorry, she was cremated and my mum got some of the ashes and she's made these beautiful little charms. So my little daughter Indy's got one of those, um, you know, those bracelets you give, all the charms, what they call them? Pandora bracelet. Oh yeah, a charm bracelet. A charm bracelet, yeah, yeah from, from Pandora. And basically yeah. my, my, she's got a little love heart and it's compressed ashes. They put it into the gem. So yes. I like that idea, you know, a little key ring or a little, um, like a little button or a badge that. You know, each of your children could have as a as, as a little souvenir that they could sort of carry and wear you at some point. So maybe like an old sovereign ring, yeah. And you get a little bit sprinkled on. That's a nice idea, I think. I
0: mean, it is. It's sort of amazing what they can do nowadays. It really is incredible, and these little items of jewellery. And I I I think it's such a good idea. Such a good idea. I suppose, is there any ashes left over to scatter anywhere? Would you Would you like a scattering?
1: Um. Yeah, I think that would be like obviously using up a little bit of the ash. That's probably going to use like your your head if you like. There's a lot more ash (laughs) in there from your bones and stuff. So, I reckon. Yeah, where would I sprinkle it? What's my special place? Like my happy place. I I suppose one of the places I really love, you know, being with. I used to live in Richmond, so I spent a lot of time in Richmond Park, especially when my little baby was born, and I lived in that house. Um. During lockdown, doing all the pee with Joe, so I do my pee with Joe in the morning. Then I get me hour walk around Richmond Park, and so nice. that's kind of a really calming, happy place for me. Yeah. Um. And then the second place is me and my wife and kids. We spend time in Santa Monica and Venice Beach. So a little bit spread between Santa Monica Pier and Venice Beach, because uh-huh. that's where, as a family, we've had so many wonderful memories. Um. And it's just us as a unit. Um. N- no one around, no social media, no cameras, and just us being a normal family and. You know, no one recognises me out there, so when I'm there, like, I'm completely relaxed, I'm completely on my own, and I, I quite like that contrast, really.
0: Nice. So we'll have a little bit of you scattered over Venice Beach. Beautiful, where all the beautiful people are. And um, what's on your gravestone? Well, you won't have a gravestone, will you, if you're not going to be buried. So we'd put a plaque of you somewhere. So, So what do you think would be written on this plaque?
1: So so, um, so um, on my plaque, I, I live by this motto and I kind of say it over and over again to get people moving and sort of taking that first step and it's it's really simple but I always say you never regret a workout oh, and right. the reason I say it is because I don't wake up motivated and energised. I don't want to exercise every day uh-huh. but I know that at the end of that movement whether it's a walk or going for a bike ride or doing a hit workout you always feel better, you feel calmer and you do feel more energised so I'd want it to be the last thing I say because it's like the thing I've spent my whole life doing is getting people moving and to realize that you know the energy you want the motivation you want is at the end of some kind of physical movement so yeah joe wicks um you know the body coach you never regret a workout beautiful
0: we should make sure that happens and and now and now we need um, a eulogy don't go anywhere we'll be back after this short break
1: well, I thought about this and um, I think it's got to be my older brother, Nicky, because he was around, you know, 85, I was born. Yeah. He was, you know, he's 18 months older than me. So he's been my guardian angel, my protector. You know, he loves me and he's been my best mate ever since. And also, you know, we've worked. the mission I've been on as the body coach, he's been there in the background. So it's me and Nicky together that have achieved what we have. So Nicky Wicks, and I haven't heard this. Yes. Give me a eulogy and try not to make me cry because we are sensitive, me and Nicky. Oh, okay, let's have a listen.
3: Ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> If we can all please begin by standing and doing free, slow, deep squats. That's what Joe would have wanted. We're here today to remember and celebrate the incredible life of my little brother, Joseph Trevor Wicks. At 38 years old, it's impossible to summarize his life in 90 seconds because he probably achieved five lifetimes in his short time on this earth. Some of you remember Joe for his glorious abs. Others, his curly, bouncy hair, which he insisted he only ever put coconut oil in. <laughs> Some of you might remember him launching microwave rice across the room and into the microwave when he started those Mad Lean 15 videos. And I'm sure that everybody here has sworn at the TV as Joe gets us to do one more round of one-arm burpees at the end of the workout. (laughs) But as his big brother and his best friend, I'll remember Joe for his kindness and his empathy for everybody around him. Joe was sensitive and cared so much about everybody around him, his friends, his family, and even strangers. And if there was anything Joe could do to make someone feel good and feel happy, he would go out of his way to do it. That would be what I remember most about Joe. He was the most loving, kindest person I've ever met. Oh, God. (laughs) And I'm going to miss him every single day. Oh, darling. But Joe wouldn't want us to be sad today. No. (laughs) He'd want us to celebrate and have a party and remember all the things that he achieved. So, to sign off, Joe, I love you. And that right there is lean in 15.
1: (laughs) Oh, that was emotional for me, man.
0: Well, it's very emotional for me. I mean, usually, usually our contributors that they just take the piss. Yeah. And uh, there was a nice, nice little bit of piss-taking, but um, it was actually he took it quite seriously. Lovely, Nikki.
1: Yeah, bless him. I knew. I said, listen, don't overthink it. But yeah. I said, like, <laughs> if I died, you know, what would you say? And that was it. But that's lovely of him, and I. I oh. do, um, it means a lot and it's kind of, you know, it's, it is what I am passionate about. I love helping people feel good and i do yeah, anything I can. Yeah, like, mate. And you've done that through laughter, right? You've you've made sad people feel happy through laughter.
0: Yeah, but, you know, but listen, Joe, I'm not like you, you know what I mean? I'm not fucking going out of my way to make, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, I get paid to do what I do. And that's just sort of uh, a little bit of a knock-on that happens in that it can make people happy. No, but you've still
1: worked hard. You've worked for so many years, and all them. I mean, I know what it's (laughs) like filming TV. All them hours of TV, you know, filming. You, I think people underestimate how important laughter is for happiness and for That's true. Like you know. Having a proper belly laugh and letting out stress is just as powerful as having a little workout sometimes because it's like an amazing release of energy and then having a cry sometimes, like, kneel by mouth. I burst into tears watching that because I connected. So don't yeah. ever underestimate your impact on the world as well. You've got millions of people laughing. Oh, darling. Thanks, Joe. OK, now we move on to...
3: The and the Wake
0: So you have sort of... We're going to talk about the wake, but you sort of touched on this with the funeral... That um, you want it to be a like a celebration more than anything. So with the funeral, so I'm imagining the wake would would be very similar, would it?
1: Yeah, the wake needs to be upbeat, like and because when you walk into a wake, usually it's like in a pretty a bit of a like quiet environment, and there's food, you know, like picnic table sort of food like mm. sausage rolls and volivants and like little like skewers and stuff. But I I want them to walk in and there's proper food and it's the energy's high, the music's playing. Like a bit of Bob Marley or something high energy, yeah, and and people walk into a party atmosphere because it's so heavy and it's like you can be sad but also be laughing, can't you? So of course you can be you could be at a funeral laughing at your granddad's jokes or the things he used to do, and so I think trying to bring that environment, yeah, like it'll be a more of an upbeat atmosphere um, and photos everywhere and just proper good food, like fresh, good, hot food that ain't been sitting there for four hours beforehand. (laughs) Even having like a little burger, like someone flipping and making some burgers or you got a little, you know, little fish fingers or a little kind of um, hot cornish pasty. I don't know, something warm that ain't cold and it's been sitting there because I think people... There are. By the time they've got through the field, and they're starving, hungry, yeah. and they just want a beer and a, a gin and tonic and a good bit of grub.
0: And everyone needs a bit of comfort food, don't they? Really, which I suppose is where you're coming from with the old hot food, you know, because hot food is more comforting.
1: Isn't yeah, it? keep it warm, keep it, keep it, keep it nice and, and um, fresh. And that I think then people will go. You know, I've had a. This has been because normally people have to take time off work. It's on a weekday. Like, yeah. If you're going to do them in and inconvenience them, make it a good day out. Surely.
0: I mean, amazing. <laughs> the care and the understanding for others, Joe. I, I am so impressed. So,
1: um, and music. We've touched on music. So you love a bit of Bob Marley. Two kind of yeah musicians that really bring me back to my childhood. I actually done Desert Island Discs, and you you might have heard that. And I chose I, did. I chose Bob Marley songs and UB40 because they're the songs my mum would have on repeat. You know, Red Red Wine and um, you know Bob Marley Free Little Birds. I just grew mm. up listening to that. So you know that is the music that kind of whatever mood I'm in always makes you feel a little bit happy. Because although my childhood was chaotic, it was mad. There was a lot of love, and it felt yeah. like it was. It was kind of come together with good music. We always had music playing. Uh-huh. And I got introduced to like, um, you know, Marvin Gaye and Tamela Moton, Etta James and all this sort of yes, stuff. And so nice. I've always appreciated good music.
0: Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. So reincarnation now, young Joe. So if you were going to come back, would you like to come back as?
2: Animal, or me?
1: Oh, I'd I'd be an animal because a vegetable you're just going to get either fried or boiled and you're going to eat them pretty quickly. <laughs> yeah. But when I think about pets, you know, I don't have pets, but my brother Joel just got two lovely dogs and a, and a cat that I look after sometimes when he goes away. And although I haven't had a, I never had cats and dogs as family because my mum was OCD. She wouldn't have let any pets in the house it had to be immaculate. Yeah. So like I missed out on that. But when I have him, this cat. I really love him. He comes up in the morning, he lays on the bed, I give him a belly rub. The dog the other day, I, I felt sorry for him because he'd been in the kitchen all day and I brought him upstairs and I laid him on my tummy and was giving him a belly rub and he was farting on I me mean, I thought, you dirty bastard, but <laughs> guess how he repaid me? I just saw a photo this morning. God. He went in Indy's bedroom and pissed on the floor. No. Yeah, so he went and <laughs> marked his territory. So every time this dog comes around, I love him, but he wheezes in a room. He just brands every room of his scent and it's yellow, orange, it stains the carpet. So... <laughs> I'd come back as a dog, because dogs, I think, they're loved, you know, they're cuddled, um, mm. and I am quite needy, I like a cuddle, yeah. and they're fed well, and they get to sleep, so I think, i come back as a dog, would be a pretty chilled out, you get 15 years, wouldn't you, 10, 15 years. So, if you're lucky,
0: yeah. yeah, yeah, if you're lucky, yeah. Nice, nice, um, and what about um, haunting, would you want to haunt anybody, do you think?
1: Yeah, not in a malicious way, like, I want to give someone nightmares and yeah. give them psychosis, but I'd definitely come back and haunt my brothers and, you know, just make them laugh, probably like, farting noises or you know when a door creaks open and whispering their ear like but things that only they would know so they know i'm there yeah and they sort of oh these bastards around again he's, he's haunting me but in a fun kind of way uh not to scare them shitless.
0: Yes, no, absolutely. Because that's it. Because this is what's lovely about doing this show. Because you think about things like haunting, and it's always like it. It's you know the horror genre is such a big money maker. You know what I mean? So whenever we think about haunting, it's always like horrible. But what's lovely about doing this is you're not the only one that has said, "Oh, I'd like to have a laugh though." Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'd like to be. A, I'd be a funny ghost rather yeah, like, than a.
1: Like a spooky, sort of funny, like, you know, you think of the, um, you know, Muppet Christmas Carol, like the sort of spooky ghosts. they sort oh, of yeah. a bit funny, they sing <laughs> weird songs. So, like, that kind of vibe. Yeah, I think that could be quite funny rather than like the exorcist or uh, the omen sort of thing where your yes. kids don't sleep for years.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pearly Gates. So, uh, you know, this is just, we're just giving a sort of bog standard.
1: If there's a heaven, if there's Pearly Gates, who would you like to meet up there? I feel really grateful that I haven't lost lots of family at the moment. So at the moment, there's not a lot of people waiting up there for me. Right. Because, you know, my Italian grandma's up there, but my nan's still on the on earth. My dad, my mum are about, all my brothers are about. So there's not a person I can think of. Yeah. But someone who died young who I think is amazing and I would love to meet because when I do listen to his music, I instantly feel happy. I instantly feel calm. And I think the sing- the songs he sings about even now are relevant. So it would be Bob Marley. Yeah. And I've never smoked a joint in my life. Uh-huh. But if I met Bob Marley and he sat down with, with the guitar and and pulled one out, I reckon I'd have a little blast on it, Oh, <laughs> just of to like course. get into the groove and just just yeah like reminisce about things and talk about you know one love and unity and all that sort of stuff that was really really amazing that you're talking about things like that. And even now we need that more than ever. Like you think today in this world we need a Bob Marley singing that sort of stuff.
0: We do, we do, we do need a Bob Marley telling singing songs of peace and love and. Unity and harmony and, uh, yeah, I I think that's quite a lovely image. You and Bob sat up there just sharing a nice bit of grass.
1: (laughs) Why not? First time for him. That's good that you've never smoked. Have have you ever smoked at all in... Never smoked cigarettes, but I remember like, so my mum used to smoke and my dad and one of the things as a kid, she'd be like, run down and get me cigarettes. And I used to hate it. I used to grab them and pinch them like that. Um, I didn't really, like the feel of them, the smell or anything yes. like that. I'd be like, and I'd run upstairs and I'd scream at her and shout and say, don't, I don't want to bring you cigarettes. And yeah. so I've, I've really been anti-smoking for that reason. But also, you know, I'd never smoked weed, but when I was in Australia, there's this place called Nimbin, right, which is like a weed town where people smoke weed and stuff. And I had a cookie, a weed cookie. Uh-huh. And honestly, like I had, I was in fits of laughter on the way back on the minibus back to Byron Bay. We stopped at a petrol station. I had these massive box of Tim Tams and two tubs of ice cream. So I know what the munchies are like. Yeah, yeah. If I had gone down that ro- route, I don't think I would have been the body coach. I would have, I would have had a big old belly on me because I would have been, <laughs> been smoking and, and eating uh, biscuits and cookies all day long. Sounds like my life.
0: <laughs> beautiful and so uh now we move on to the will.
1: just thinking what have you got and who's getting it right i've not you know what i actually hand on heart don't have a will. and my you know someone keeps saying you've got to do it you've got to do it And i'm like oh it's just a bit weird isn't it but hmm. i don't have many possessions i'm not someone who has a lot of stuff like i definitely give my motorbikes to my my dad um, my brother George and my little boy Marley because they love their motorbikes. Yeah, um, I've got a couple of guitars that I love so I'd give them to Nicky because he, he's learned to play the guitar um, and then yeah, you know, I've got a house in England and a house in America. Uh-huh. I'd probably split it between the kids and they can obviously just Rather than sell it and get money, maybe they can keep it as a family thing that they can use with their kids, you know, because yes. we've got so many memories there. So it's a lovely little cottage in Santa Monica. It's only two bedroom and we are going to outgrow it one day. But I said, look, I would rather get four bunk beds upstairs yeah. than I sell this and move on because we've had it for like so many years now. So, yeah, I'd do that. Say, so look, we're not. don't sell them. Keep it in a trust. Yeah. And you get a couple of months a year each, each year to enjoy it with your family. Nice. Um, And then that's it, really. Lovely.
0: Is there anything, though, that you wouldn't want anyone to find? Um,
1: I don't have many secrets. I think I've shared, because I've lived my life and grown up on social media almost. It's like everything about me I've shared and all the journey I've been on and, you know, even the highs and lows and, and even the times I am down and I am binging and I'm eating loads of crap and I've got a big belly. I put it on my Instagram and the Daily Mail make a story because I want to share the Ugh. realities of being, being being, a human being. Like, yes. I'm not always good. So there's nothing, there's no, there's no secrets. Um, I don't know, dirty underwear and smelly socks maybe because I have piled, I'm quite bad, like, <laughs> I'll leave it on a on a chair in my bedroom There's like a pile, and I, just, I have to wait till like the end of the week to do it. I can't be able to do it every day, so right. in the end, Rosie just got fed up with saying anything, so she leaves it. Yeah. But when it comes to the weekend, I'll put it all away, you know, uh-huh. and I do I do me washing and stuff. But oh, that's good. So you do you're quite domesticated as well, yes. Yeah, well, that's my mum and I was I mean I was hoovering my bed. So I was hoovering my bedroom at sort of three or four years old. I had a carpet. Yeah. She had black carpet. Uh-huh. I talk about this in the um the podcast, that she wouldn't let me use the big bit. She'd want to see lines, like a colour And it was like, imagine colouring in a carpet with a felt-tip pen. That's what it felt like in my head. Yes. So weird things like that. And obviously I was ironing my school uniform at seven, eight years old and wow. doing my bed twice. And if she came up and that bed weren't done,
0: yeah, she yeah. would say,
1: pull it tighter, get out of the way. And she'd push it away, the way and she would do it. So wow. madness, but she's not like that now. And like I said, I... I, I love that. I she taught me to be domestic. She taught me that when I went to uni, I had to provide, I had to cook for myself, and I had to clean my stuff, and I had to look after them. So it's skills that I needed. I just didn't need it in that way, maybe. Yes, yes so, in Such
0: an intense way. Yeah.
1: So I learned how to be a, you know, to be independent. Oh well, I think that's that's fantastic. You know, in some ways, you know what I mean that you you know you're not afraid to get your hands dirty, Joe. You know, you got to get stuck in. Yeah, you got to do your bit. I like my gardening. I, my little brother comes and has a garden. I really like watering the garden and, you know, like just keeping things tidy, getting the old jet washer out now and again and just like little bits. So I'm not very handy with like, Hanging shelves and mirrors and that. I'm not that good with a DIY. No, you get someone in to do that. To get my dad or my little brother, yeah. yeah Even know. they guess it. They look like they know what they're not doing it, but I can see they're they just punt, <laughs> they're taking a punt, they're just drilling a hole and hoping it meets yeah. up. They ain't measuring it and stuff. They're a bunch of jokers, they're cowboys, them too. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Lovely. So listen, we're almost at the end of this. And uh this has been so fabulous, Joan. A, a real, a real pleasure to meet you and spend some time in your company. Thank you um, so much. I've loved it. But before we go, uh, before we release your spirit to the afterlife, we need you to leave one final thing to the planet. So no pressure, but... Famous last words.
1: What would they be, do you think? So I'm going to pass on a quote that my dad gave to me once and it really resonated with me. Like, And it's, it's the one thing that I've always thought about since he said it. And so he said to me, Joe if you're going to miss the bus, miss it running. Oh. And what I loved about that was it's like, look, you might not be anywhere near achieving what you want, but at least try, at least say, well, look, I didn't reach that goal, but I still went for it. And I've applied that to kind of my mentality in life with everything, relationships with Instagram and YouTube and all the stuff I do. Like, there was no one there at the beginning. No one was actually, no one was watching my videos. And so I thought, you know what, just keep trying, keep coming back, keep showing up, keep trying to get that bus, Uh try and run for it. you know, it's paid off because I, I have that mentality, and it's allowed me to grow and reach all these people because I had that mentality of, if you're going to miss it, at least miss it running.
0: Yes. Or just do what I do. Um, if you've got um some traffic lights near the bus stop, uh, press the traffic light um so that you don't have to run for the fucking bus because <laughs> it stopped at the traffic light, and you could just stroll. I've done to that the listen, bus, and I've got to say, I remember doing that as a kid
1: at yeah at school, like yeah. getting the bus. You just quickly run and press it. You have got an extra 30 seconds, but yeah. we've all done that, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. It's when you start doing it when there's no bus. So that's when you—that's um,
0: <laughs> when you know you're a
2: bastard.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, bet, I bet I'll
0: be doing that. There's no bloody bust there, and just yeah, yeah, great. Well, this has been so uh, lovely, Joe. And uh, but you know, listen, we we do hate goodbyes uh, on this podcast. So luckily, it isn't happening yet. Joe's going to stick around and he's going to take part in our subscription podcast 6 feet under where we rifle through your real life death anecdotes. So head to where there's a will there's a weight.com to subscribe. And uh, thank you again for joining us
1: Joe. Uh, drop dead and give me 20. Listen, thank you so much for having me as a guest. I've really enjoyed it sitting in this funny little chair looks like a coffin. Yes. And um I'm really glad we got to meet you. You've been someone I've admired, you know, from afar for a long time. Oh, so thanks oh, again. Darling. Good luck he's going. With the rest of the podcast. Thank he's you going. so much much. much joe you
0: sweetheart thank you he's gone you've been listening to where there's a will there's a wake with me kathy burke my senior producers are katie bowden and charlie morell and my producer is naya dio or as i like to call them my goddesses sound engineer is ed gill the production coordinator is lily hambly Marketing by Emily Webb and Kieran Lancini. Original music written and performed by Jonathan Rathbone. And the executive producer is Ollie Wilson.